Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything. Lakers, it's the offseason, but that means we've got a lot to talk about because the Lakers have a lot of the moves they need to make before the next season starts. We're going to break it all down. Plus, I'm going to be taking your questions and comments coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, and Periscope. So welcome, and don't forget to subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel and a little cheap plug here, the NBA front office YouTube channel as well, which is something Keith Smith and I are working on together covering the entire NBA. Make sure you guys go check that channel out as well. Subscribe as well to that one. Joining me tonight is is Skylar Treppel from LakersNation.com. Skylar, how you doing, man? And what's your take on this whole Lakers versus Clippers thing? We, we just saw the Clippers beat the Suns, and I've seen some, including Clippers coach Ty Lue, as well as Los Angeles Times columnist, columnist Bill Plaschke, suggest that Lakers fans should now be supporting the Clippers. I can't get on board. What's your thoughts? I think the Clippers just, the solution at this point is what's happening. The Clippers got to go to the forum, get their own home, and maybe we can coexist. But the rivalry is all in good fun and nothing too personal overall. But Bill Plaschke was trying to make a case that all Lakers fans should really be rooting for the Clippers. Why do we hate them? Why do we have this taste? Oh, no. No, 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 no. That is 100% incorrect and, and wrong. If he thinks, if he, that's the same thing like Ty Lue trying to make, Ty Lue should know better. Ty Lue was a Laker. If he's thinking that in any Laker fan should be rooting for the Clippers, uh, that is just beyond wrong. Uh, I had earlier tonight, as the game was ending, my wife turns to me and, she's, and she says, I don't understand why anyone who lives in Los Angeles would be a Clippers fan. Like, it just doesn't make any sense they said well there's some people out there that just want to be contrarians that's that's just what it is right they just they want to go against the grain and so they're going to say oh well uh, there's a lot of lakers fans so all right i'm going to be a clippers fan then just to be something different there's also clippers fans who exist solely because so many teams dislike the lakers so if you were a fan of a team that that you have since disowned and you grew up disliking the lakers which is a lot of people then you can kind of become a clippers fan that's usually how a clippers fan is born how these beings come into existence but in general the the rivalry or whatever the disdain is more because rather than present themselves as just an alternative out there right the clippers immediately tried to as soon as they got some good players and started feeling strong try to present themselves as a rival as someone that was a threat to take over the city and take it away and this is really our town and and all this kind of stuff and so of course the lakers lakers fans are going to be offended by that it's not the lakers are not like the sacramento kings or something like that or this you know historically weak franchise where you can come into their home and, and it's not a big deal right because they've lost so many years the clippers are trying to take away los angeles or trying to position themselves as a team that can take away los angeles from the lakers and the audacity to think that is going to lead to a a real emotional response from Lakers fans, and rightfully so. So, I look, if Plashke is saying, oh, Lakers fans should be okay with the Clippers and should be rooting them on, no way, no chance. I know I speak for a lot of Lakers fans when I say my mantra ever since the Lakers went out has been anyone but the Clippers. And that makes perfect sense. First of all, let me say, Bill Plashke, one of the most amazing columnists ever, has wrote some of the best Lakers and Kobe articles I have ever read. But... This article didn't make as much sense. And that's okay. You know, you, you can't go 100 for 100 every time. If he's 99 for 100, that's great. And this was, it, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. You know, there is a certain air. And also, a personal story, I was in Toronto at Jurassic Park one time, and Maple Leafs fans were coming up and saying, hey, get out of here, Raptors fans. You know, Maple Leafs game's coming up. It's just something that happens in cities. There's no rule. And the other thing is, not all Lakers fans are the same. Not all Clippers fans are are the same. The general consensus is that, I think there was a Lakers Nation poll, 89.6% of Lakers Nation fans with close to 20,000 voting said they would root for the Clippers over Sun. That also still means there is 10%. Who would pick the Clippers? And so, again, I think to just generalize the whole fan base and says anyone should cheer for this team, there is that rivalry right now. There was that air where the Clippers were trying to take over as the new L.A. team. There are those columns that come out. And so I think it's perfectly fine to have the rivalry. And I think overall, once the Clippers move to the forum and maybe get a little bit worse as time goes on, there's going to be that chance for mutual respect. 
But when they're covering up Lakers jerseys and Kobe jerseys and leaving they're, the Kings jerseys, banners that's a signal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, that's and again, that that goes back to it too. There's a little little bit of disrespect there when you're covering up the accomplishments of other of other franchises. You don't see that in other arenas around the NBA, uh, and yet the Clippers do that. Uh, but uh, again, we're talking about in terms of the forum, the Clippers are going to be building their own their own space, right? They're going they're going to build it. They're not. I don't I don't know if they are going to occupy the Great Western Forum or not. Um, for Lakers fans, obviously, that's kind of hollowed ground. I know, obviously, they they own the building now, which obviously yeah. is, a, is a gross feeling. But uh, but they are going to be building their own arena at some point. I, I'm not up to date as far as when that's going to be completed or anything like that. Um, <laughs> Omar, the Lakers fan from YouTube, said, Clips will never be the number one LA team. They can't deny the fact that they moved in against the wishes of the league. Yeah, look, I mean, there's... I would That's say the, true bulk, in the, the bulk of fans in Los Angeles would rather have the Clippers be somewhere else, right? They, they would rather see the Clippers go elsewhere, right? And be in Seattle or be in Las Vegas or just, just not in LA given the way they've acted. I think that's, that's been the, uh, the way we've seen things. But anyway, there is a chance here for the Clippers to still lose this series. Obviously it's just two to one now with the Suns still being up. Getting Let's beat see by what, Chris Paul too. Oh, man, that would be great. But Chris Paul was not good tonight, and now they've lost Cameron Payne. Crazy as it is, it was not long ago. I was sitting at Summer League watching Cameron Payne play for the Chicago Bulls, trying to play his way back into the league after getting bounced out. Pretty crazy that now he's become such an integral part of a team that hopes to win an NBA championship. Hopefully his injury is not too bad, that uh, that sprained ankle, but we'll see what happens there. Uh, Let's see. Somebody asked me, Trevor, when was the last time you've been to a Lakers game? Well, I mean, I haven't been since everything shut down. So I was at a game, I want to say a month before ever the pandemic shut everything down. Yeah, it's been too long, that's for sure. Uh, Renee Vandervelden said, well, which team owns Staples Center, the Lakers or the Kings? You know, in terms of ownership, it's owned by a company and then... The Lakers have an agreement with them, the Kings as well. I don't know exactly if a team has ownership. I would have to get into it because I don't know the exact details of how the ownership structure is set up for the Staples Center. So rather than just take a guess, I'll say I don't know exactly how it is. Fan-wise, the the Lakers own the Staples Center. I know that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, some people are mentioning. Let's talk about this real quick. Anschutz Entertainment Group. There it is. AEG that, that owns it. They own a lot of things. Um, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Alex Caruso because I've got some people asking about Caruso and what's going on with him. So Alex Caruso, we know a couple of days ago, he's in Texas, went to Texas A&M. So that's why he was there. It's a college he went to. It's where he's from. But he was in Texas, got arrested, had a little bit of a very tiny, less than two ounces of marijuana on him while trying to board a plane. Uh, and had a grinder and was arrested because in Texas, it's not legal yet. Um, we've seen other states that would have been a big deal, <laughs> big of a deal because it's legal. And that's kind of the way the wind is blowing right now. We're seeing legalization efforts around the country. But Texas, that is not the case. And so he did get arrested. Now he posted bail. All that's good. It's just a misdemeanor. I think it's the kind of thing where in a few weeks, we're not going to really remember this. It's not. It, this is going to be a very minor footnote. I don't think there's any team out there that's looking at this and saying, oh, Alex Caruso, eh, maybe we want to stay away now. Maybe we don't want this guy in free agency now because of this. This is just a bad guy. No, that, I don't think there's any team out there that's thinking that right now. I really don't think this is going to make any impact on him whatsoever. No, it was just your classic off-season story at this point. Uh, gave Stephen A. Smith an excuse to get on the radio and say, stay off the weed. <laughs> and that was truthfully. It'll create a nice meme for a while. And other than that, it's something that will be forgotten. Uh, Clay Thompson also had his issue in college. Very similar situation at a time where it wasn't as accepted, wasn't even legalized. And we all love Clay Thompson today. We all know Clay Thompson is a really great guy as well. And so I think for Alex Caruso, like I said, it'll create some nice memes. It'll create some nice stories. But if it if it wasn't the off season, I mean KCP KCP was playing like from jail essentially, being allowed to play. We never talk about that anymore. 
So something like this will be swept under the rug very quickly because, yeah, he wasn't harming anyone. Yeah, absolutely. And this is this again, it should be pretty much a nothing of a story. I don't think it's going to impact him in any particular way. The NBA, I, I would be shocked if the NBA even suspended him. Sometimes you see that like in the NFL, you'll see where a player gets into a little bit of trouble and the code of conduct policy requires that he be suspended by the NFL, even though maybe did whatever he was involved in was cleared up. And so legally, he's not in any trouble anymore. They can still miss games. I don't think he's going to miss any games. There's going to be no suspension. The NBA, they're not even testing this season. They're, they're not testing for marijuana this season. They just said, no, we're just not going to do it because of COVID. But it wouldn't shock me if even heading into next season, the NBA just said, you know what? We're just going to let this continue. We're just not going to test. Um, all right. Let's talk about one of the other rumors that's going on right now. And that is Spencer Dinwiddie. And that I've already seen some questions, some comments coming in about him. So the New York Daily News put out the story that Spencer Dinwiddie wants to return home. Whereas home? Los Angeles. He wants to come back to L.A. Now, they did put in that a little, little qualifier that if the money's equal, he wants to be in L.A. If there is more money elsewhere, he will take that. So if some team offers him crazy amounts of money, let's say it's the Knicks, offer him, offers him a big contract, and he doesn't get that kind of contract in Los Angeles, he'll go there, right? But if all things are equal, he wants to be in Los Angeles. He wants to go home. And so obviously that sparked a lot of rumors about, okay, how is this going to happen? How are they going to get him back? Uh, let's Before we get into the, the logistics of how that would happen, Skyler, what's, just, what's your take on Spencer Dinwiddie potentially joining the Lakers just in terms of on the court? Oh, okay, because yes, there's two sides to this, unfortunately. Uh, if we're talking on the court, it would be excellent. You know, I think his defense isn't perfect, can use a little work. But one thing about the Lakers, I know we talked last time about how people get worse at shooting maybe, but defense often gets better. And with Spencer Dinwiddie having a career year in the 2020 season, 20.6 points a game, I believe 6.8 assists, uh, you know, he, he would be a phenomenal fit for the Lakers, a really, really excellent point guard. Not only that, but the guy loves L.A. When Kobe passed away, he changed his number to eight. And so when you're talking strictly on the court, mm-hmm. it would be great. I got a lot to say about off the court because I don't think it'll work, but I'm sure we'll get into that. So I do have some concerns with Spencer Dinwiddie, and I, and I think he is a very good player, but is he the guy that you want? Like, and I think it's going to require Dennis Schroeder to be gone. Like, if you have both Schroeder and Dinwiddie yes. on the same team, because Dinwiddie sees himself as a starter. He says, I want to prove that I'm a starting point guard in the, in this league. Um, and he feels like he did that while, Ky- while Kyrie was out hurt uh, season before last. And Dennis Schroeder feels the same way. He sees himself as a starting point guard. So they're probably not going to coexist there even though that would probably be the best thing. Both of these guys, I think you could make the argument, are at their best as your sixth man. But that being said, Spencer Dinwiddie, career three, this is my concern, career three-point percentage, 32%. Career field goal percentage, 41%. We just watched the Lakers not have enough shooting in the playoffs. I don't know that those numbers are good enough for him to be, even though he loves L.A., I don't have him at the top of my list because of those numbers. I don't think that addresses the Lakers' need right now. And that is a great point. It really is the inefficiency. The other reason I'm having fun with the idea of Spencer Dinwiddie joining the Lakers and not taking it too seriously is because it almost can't happen unless Schroeder leaves. I mean, if he doesn't, they need a sign-and-trade. You'd have to get rid of THT, Caruso. It, it just it, it would be the hard cap to get him on the team. And for the money in that sense, no, I don't think it's worth it. If if Schroeder walks or we don't want Schroeder, I think that Dinwiddie could be an interesting fit. But, yeah, the, the efficiency is concerning. The 20.6 was good, and he was a nice fit on Brooklyn in 2020. But overall, when the Lakers do need shooting and efficiency, it's a tough fit. And that's, again, why I had fun thinking of it, because even if you take away that on-court efficiency aspect, it's just not going to work from a financial perspective. Well, okay, so Dinwiddie, the rumor that's out there right now is that he wants between 20 to $25 million. Now, he can say he wants that. Will he get that, though? 
I, that's another story. That's just like I, I, it's a very similar situation to Dennis Schroeder. He can say, you know, four years, 85, 84, 86, you know, whatever that ends up being ish million dollars is not quite enough. And I'm not going to extend uh, the, the offer for that. I'm not going to sign for that. That's fine. You can think that you can want more, but that doesn't mean that money's going to be out there. And I think Dinwiddie could be in a similar situation where if he's saying, I want 20 to 25 million, there's this idea out there. There apparently among free agent point guards that if you're a starting point guard, that's how much money you should get. I don't know that teams are really going to pay that. Okay. But if he gets, if he comes to an agreement with the Lakers on a dollar amount, the Lakers cannot sign him. The most they can offer him is the mid-level exception. In order to get him, they would have to do a sign-and-trade, okay? which means the Nets yeah. would sign him using his bird rights. And the Nets have already made it very, very clear they're fine with that. They're good with it. They've made it clear, like, hey, if he wants to go somewhere else, we want to help him get there because that's going to get them something in return in a sign-and-trade. So for the Lakers, it would have to look like Spencer did when he signs with the Nets. The Nets are going to trade him, and the Lakers are going to trade away, I don't know, Kyle Kuzma and like if Montrezl Harrell resigns or something like that, or or maybe it's a double sign and trade with Dennis Schroeder, something like that would have to happen in order for the Lakers to get him. And the challenge then is you're triggering a hard cap by accepting a player in a sign and trade situation. So you have to consider that into the equation. We can't just say, hey, Spencer Dinwiddie's a good player, bring him on over. There are consequences to doing that. Oh, most certainly. That's exactly uh, that's exactly what I'm thinking is that you can't do. It does trigger the hard cap. And if you trigger the hard cap, you're talking about getting rid of guys like Caruso and THT just so you can bring over Spencer Dinwiddie and gutting the roster. And at that point, it's absolutely not worth it for Dinwiddie. And that's why it's fun to uh, do it in a hypothetical sense. But from the sign and trade perspective... I really don't think it works for the Lakers. There's too many consequences. So as fun as it would be, I, I just don't think he's the guy more than even an on-court fit. That's what I'm saying is triggering that hard cap in the sign and trade and what it would do to the rest of our roster. Yeah, it would make filling out the rest of the roster really, really difficult when you're operating under a hard cap because, uh, I mean, that a hard cap is what it sounds like. It is a ceiling that you absolutely cannot pass. So, uh, last season, we saw the Lakers, 14 players on the roster. They couldn't add a 15th. They couldn't. They were not allowed to because of that ceiling. They couldn't even add a vet minimum. Normally, if you haven't triggered a hard cap, you can just keep signing better and minimum contracts as long as you want. You can just keep going. doesn't matter, right? But when you've triggered a hard cap, you can't pass that. So, unfortunately, that, that is something to consider. We're looking at sign-and-trade deals for Spencer Dinwiddie. Other ways, just to throw this in there, other ways you can trigger a hard cap using your biannual exception, which the Lakers cannot do because they used it last year, or using your mid-level exception, or at least more of your mid-level exception than the taxpayer mid-level. So we're talking about uh, almost $6 million. If the Lakers use that much of their mid-level exception, which is normally about 95 ish that's the, the Trez deal, that's what he got, then you are also triggering a hard cap. So something to consider. Maybe the Lakers won't use that this year. Uh, Benjamin from YouTube said, personally, I love Lowry as a fit, even if he's old. I agree. You know, Kyle Lowry, in terms yeah. of what he brings on the floor, is exactly what the Lakers would be looking for. The challenge is, like you said, he's old. He's been in the league a long time, but he can shoot the ball, plays well defensively, can play on or off the ball. He's a leader. He's a winner. It's a great fit. Just the challenge is the age. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more about Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry was the engine that made the Toronto Raptors go in that 2019 championship and during all of their success. I would argue that Kyle Lowry is one of the best non-statistical players we've ever seen. We think of a LeBron James and he is like statistically, I mean, statistically, if you're taking pure numbers, no eye test, easy to say he's better than Michael. Personally, I think Michael Jordan is better, but if you're looking at pure stats, that's what I'm talking about. And with Kyle Lowry, it's not necessarily about the stats. He was called Captain Kyle in Toronto. And that's because he was the captain of that team. He's a leader on the floor. He can run the floor. He can make other guys better. He makes those hustle plays that aren't going to show up in the stat sheet. He makes those defensive plays. He makes the hockey assists all the time. And Kyle Lowry is just the type of player that you want on your team. Kyle Lowry is an unbelievable teammate, and he would be nothing but beneficial for the Lakers. I wouldn't be concerned about the age at all with him personally, as long as we can get some younger players, some shooter, 
keep the roster going. We are going to be younger this year in the sense that we'll have a longer offseason than 71 days. And so I think Kyle Lowry is a great fit for the Lakers. I hope they're able to get him and uh, maybe find a way to get his buddy DeMar DeRozan too, but there'd have to be some hiccups for that. That would be fantastic. I've got Benjamin from YouTube with the Super Chat says, can you talk about the possibility of trading for Lowry? If we sign Dennis, would we have to give up THT again? Well, if you sign Dennis Schroeder, you're not trading for Lowry. Um, or are you talking about doing a sign and trade with Schroeder in exchange for Lowry? That that would be the infamous, and I believe that's probably what he's meaning here. That would be the double sign and trade that we've, that we've been talking about for a while. Look, if Dennis Schroeder says, I don't want to go, which or, I'm going to go, I don't want to sign, which he has said time and time again, I want to be a Laker. Right? In, in a variety of ways, he said he wants to be a Laker. His actions don't say that, though. Right, The things that he has done have not said that. So if push comes to shove and he says, I want to go somewhere else, you could sign and trade him. And you could do a double sign and trade, bringing back Kyle Lowry. Now, it's not easy to execute something like that. It's very, very difficult. But if you could, yeah, maybe that's an, that's an option. And if that's if it's that or lose Dennis Schroeder and he just walks away into, I don't know, the Knicks, Knicks cap space and you lose him for nothing? Give me Kyle Lowry. No, no way that I would turn that down. But again, it gets complicated and you would trigger that hard cap as well. He says, would we have to give up THT again? Well, you know, that's interesting because the Lakers were not willing to give up THT at the trade deadline. The Raptors thought the Lakers would blink and give up what they wanted, which was THT. So do the Raptors now go into this offseason saying, well, no, we still want THT. Otherwise, we're not going to work with you on this. That's possible. Or do the Raptors look at it as, you know what? We're going to lose him no matter what. So why why not at least get something? And then they're willing to compromise a little bit. We'll have to see how the Raptors are feeling. But we have to remember THT himself is now a restricted free agent. So he's going to need to get paid. Trying to execute that as well would make it even more complicated. So I think for the Raptors, they'd probably have to do a deal without THT involved. For sure. And we want THT. Uh, Quadre points that. From YouTube said, if AD would move to move to the five, Simmons would be perfect. Uh, so we talked last time about Ben Simmons potentially trading for him, what you would have to give up, and all that kind of stuff. And right now, the 76ers are like, well, you know, we don't know what we're going to do just yet. We think we can fix this shot. Da, da, da. They're trying to do anything they can to re- reclaim any kind of leverage possible, which should be expected. They don't want to go into this offseason like, oh, man. Okay, everybody, we got to trade this guy. Um, just send us your offers. Let, we really got to get rid of him. That might be reality, but they're not going to say that because that would be bad for their negotiating stance. So, uh, yeah, they, they right now are trying to play this thing down as much as possible. Uh, Anthony Davis moving to the five in order to accommodate Ben Simmons on paper. Maybe that works, but I don't think you want AD at the five. And I know we look at that as this, this cure-all, right? Anthony Davis at the five solves everything. Any issue you've got, Anthony Davis at the five. That's it. Not hitting threes, AD at the five. Defense isn't getting it, getting it done, AD at the five. Too much traffic in LA, AD at the five will clear up the five freeway somehow. But I don't know that that's what you want during the regular season. I think there is something to this idea that we need to keep the, the physical toll off of Anthony Davis during the regular season. And that means having some big bodies at the center position to turn to. Maybe come playoff time, you decide, Anthony Davis, you've got to be the five because it's time to win, and that's that. But in order for him to get to the playoffs fresh, that might mean him playing more minutes at the four. And again, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. So do you give up on that idea to accommodate Ben Simmons? Maybe you do. You just say Simmons is that good of a talent. But I think it's definitely something to consider. If you're going to bring in Ben Simmons... Are you committing to Anthony Davis at the five full time? And is that something that's going to hurt you down the road? Absolutely. I think, you know, Ben Simmons is becoming one of the most personalized tastes in the NBA. I mean, I think he's going to become one of those you love him or you hate him kind of guys. And yeah, the fit. I mean, here's the thing. If you bring him to the Los Angeles Lakers, they're going to be one of the greatest defensive teams of all time. Well, the league is trending towards way more offense. If this was 10, 20 years ago, maybe it could work. But right now with the amount of threes we're seeing and the amount of offense, 
I think teams just might be able to outshoot the Lakers. It would be tough to have all that perimeter and inside defense. I have said before, Ben Simmons, I think he is more of a big man than a point guard who can pass, who can defend, who can score from the inside. Not someone who can take the ball up and shoot the three like the modern NBA point guard. But overall, you know, Anthony Davis at the five. Yeah, I mean, if he wants to play the four, and again, we saw... We saw Anthony Davis did play some five in the playoffs, but we saw 27.7 points a game and him becoming an NBA championship, giving LeBron James a run for his money as the NBA Finals MVP at the start of all that. So I personally think, you know, you got to respect AD. You got to let him do what you want, what he wants. And you got the clutch sports genes going on with Ben Simmons. Overall, I don't think it's a great fit. I think you have to build a roster around him, and it's the opposite of getting the shooting that the Lakers need. Uh, There's just too much sacrifice for Ben Simmons, especially moving AD to the five. But it would be a very interesting experiment if it is able to happen. I mean, the clutch sports connection is certainly interesting. Rich Paul was reportedly today meeting with the 76ers and talking about, like, hey, are we going to do this? Are we going to trade him? Uh, Because what, what Rich Paul wants to do is go find a trade for him to help help be part of the process and kind of steer him where where they want him. And, and so he wants the 76ers to give them permission to go out there and talk to teams and say, "Hey, let's let's work something out here. Let me be kind of the the uh, the mediator here. We'll and we'll get this done. We'll figure out a way to to come up with a deal to get Ben Simmons where he wants to go and get the Sixers what they want. Uh, are the Sixers going to give the green light on that? We don't know. The Sixers obviously have said that that Simmons has not requested a trade or anything, but I think he gets moved. If the price is low enough, I mean, crazier things have happened, but I would be surprised if he wound up being a Laker. Um, Let's talk a little bit about Jason Kidd, who is about to become the head coach of the Dallas Mavericks. Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN saying Kidd is on the verge of signing a deal with the Mavs. Uh, The Mavs are bringing in a general manager. Uh, from outside, it's an outside hire. I have to go back and look and see uh, who it was that they were bringing in. Nico Harris. There it is. Nico Harris. So um, that was former ball player, not in the NBA. I think I think it's interesting, right? That the Mark Cuban is bringing in these kind of outside hires, doing these sorts of things. Uh, Bob Volgaris already came in. Uh, it could blow up on him, or it could work out very well for the Lakers side of things. No more Jason Kidd means you've got to replace him on the coaching staff. And I know most Lakers fans are looking at this and saying, this is an opportunity. Bring in an offensive mind because of how bad the Lakers offense looked at times. How many times it just looked stuck, just stuck in the mud, not enough movement, not enough going on to generate open looks, so reliant on LeBron James. I think this is a chance to bring in somebody, and I've had a few people in the chat already asking me, who would you go for? Look, Terry Stotts, if he doesn't get a head coaching job, Come on down. Alvin Gentry, that would be another interesting guy to bring in. Anybody, look, if Mike D'Antoni, I think he's getting a head coaching job. But if Mike D'Antoni didn't get one, please, that would be that would, he would be the top of my list. That would be fantastic if you could bring him in just to be your offensive coach, which is what he did for the Nets this season. But again, I think he's getting a head coaching, head coach, coaching gig. But, Skyler, what do you think about this? What, what do you think about this whole situation? Jason Kidd to the Mavs. Sounds like it's a done deal. And now the Lakers have to fill a spot on their bench. Fascinating situation on so many levels. First of all, let me say a little eulogy for Jason Kidd as the Lakers assistant coach. Uh, so beloved by Rob Palinka and Frank Vogel saying he really brought his basketball mind. Not very much success as a head coach. Comes in as, as an assistant coach and works with sort of the management style of Vogel. Vogel also said he had more of a business relationship with LeBron, right? As competitors competing yeah. against him as the Pacers head coach. So Jason Kidd as a player and as a Team USA teammate really came in with Phil Handy and helped bridge that relationship. Uh, Also, Jason Kidd, man, I mean, you got Kobe Bryant hitting a game winner over Kidd in the 2000 playoffs. Uh, You got him going up against Kobe and Shaq in the 2002 finals. You got him beating the Lakers when they were supposed to three-peat in 2011 with the Dallas Mavericks as a player. And so in a way... 
it all comes full circle. He comes to the Lakers, is actually a way bigger part than most people know of helping them win that championship. And now he's going back to the team that drafted him. So I think Kidd served his purpose with the Lakers, an organization he had many rivalries with as a player, very appreciative of his time here, brilliant basketball mind, multiple triple doubles, and the Dallas fit makes sense. I mean, Luca and Jason, they're both going to be top five all time in triple doubles. Let's get real here. And so it makes a lot of sense for Kidd to work with him. Uh, I think, well, the Lakers will miss Kidd. I love those fits of Terry Stotts, Alvin Gentry. And maybe, I mean, when all is said and done, maybe bring back Brian Shaw again. He did win us two chips as an assistant. Be Shaw. He's doing some interviews right now. So I think that's another interesting one. But no, Terry Stotts, uh, as far as, you know, being the Trailblazers uh, head coach, I think he could be great. Also, Trevor, he was the assistant coach of the Dallas Mavericks when they won the championship with Jason Kidd. So that's a nice little filler there as well. Yep. Uh, of course, Alvin Gentry, I mean, the Kobe tap on the butt. Uh, so much Lakers uh, connections there. I think Terry Stotts would be the best fit just because he's a quality head coach as an assistant coach, former player as well. But yeah, we'll miss Jason Kidd. Uh, best of luck. Great move for all parties. And no doubt that Mr. Palenka and Vogel will find someone great to help us out with Phil Handy. I think it now makes a lot of sense why Jason Kidd removed his name for the running for the the Blazers job, right? Because that was a bit of a yep. head scratcher. The the general th- feeling is, well, there's only 30 NBA head coaching jobs. So if you really want one and one opens up, you kind of have to jump on it, right? Unless you really know something else is coming down the line. I think this is what Kidd was waiting for uh, because it just makes a lot of sense for him to go take over the Mavs, again, his former club, the situation is in. If you ask me, hey, which team would you rather coach? I would definitely rather go coach the Mavs. Now, maybe there's a little bit more pressure to win right now because if you don't, Luka could be gone and all that. But the Blazers are kind of in a similar situation. And if you go to the Mavs and the Mavs, are, if you're able to get to the second round, well, you, just, you just did your job, right? All you got to do is get to the second round with the Mavs right now and then take baby steps from there. So I think that that is uh, a, the possibility is there to really put down roots and stay there long-term if you get there and do it yeah. right if you're Jason Kidd. Whereas if you go to Portland, if you're not completely successful in the first year of building a contender, Damian Lillard's getting older, your window is much, much shorter. So I, I, it makes a lot of sense to me why Kidd would decide to wait and then go to the Mavs. And now that leaves the Lakers in a spot where they can add somebody else. Again, hopefully an offensive mind because I feel like they're pretty good on the defensive side of things. Definitely. Uh, Let's see here. We've got a lot of questions and comments coming in. Some people say sign Rondo as an assistant coach. Look, I don't know if Rondo is ready to retire here. No. But but at some point, Rondo will be a tremendous assistant coach. That's all we've heard about him. He is the way – he has a way of just – Getting through to players, he understands the game. He sees it as another level. He's going to be a very good assistant coach at some point. Uh, Anthony Diaz from YouTube. Trevor, is it possible the Lakers will trade Kyle Kuzma for a draft pick? The first part of that, I think, is a yes. In fact, on the NBA front office show today, uh, we added Kyle Kuzma to the list of players that I think are pretty likely to get traded. And there's also... Ben Simmons, Christoph Porzingis, some of the other guys on that list. But Kyle Kuzma is absolutely there. And I've said it a bunch of times. I think this is it. I think he gets traded this offseason. Could be wrong. Maybe he sticks around. But I just kind of gut feeling think that he's going to get moved. And from a logistical standpoint, that $13 million salary is going to help out a lot in terms of matching for trade purposes. So I think he gets moved. But for a pick, that's, that's what gives me pause here is for a draft pick. I don't know if that's what the Lakers would really be after right now if they were going to get like a younger player would be somebody who fits in anthony davis's timeline right like if they look at kyle lowry and they say he's too old "Ah, okay that's fair that's fair if you're concerned about that but i don't think you're going to go get a 20 year old or a 21 year old to bring that guy in and say okay we've got a team ready to win right now let's go get a guy that's going to be at his best four or five years from now i don't see them doing that now again again back in the day back in 96 the Lakers were in a position where they're getting Shaq, they're ready to go win right now, and they made sure they went and got Kobe because he was just so good that they couldn't pass that up. If something like that came up, then, of course, you make that move. 
Otherwise, though, I think in general, the strategy is going to be more to find guys who can help right now rather than a rookie. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think, uh, oh, man, so much with Kuzma. You know, it's funny. I was on the show on Monday saying I thought there was a 70% chance he would stick with the team. Think about Kuzma, though, is he's often very vocal when there's criticism of him. Radio silent right now. Magic Johnson is coming out saying stuff. And so I am much less uh, optimistic that Kuzma will be with the team. Uh, great tenure, but, you know, lots of interesting trades, Trevor. I don't, I don't know if we're going to get into it here, but but the whole Colin Sexton deal, uh, I think that's more the type of return that you could look for with Cal Kuzma over a draft pick. Well, let, let's get into that, okay? So right now there are some rumors that the Cavs, if they wind up with one of the guards in the draft, and the Cavs have the third overall pick in the in the draft, if one of the guards falls to them, that they might consider moving one of Darius Garland or Colin Sexton. And they're thinking because there's less time left on, on Sexton's rookie contract, he might be the guy they move. I'm skeptical. I don't like that's I think somebody's just kind of connecting the dots and thinking, oh well, if they get the, the this pick, if they're able to get a, one of the guards that's out there, then there's kind of a log jam, so they're gonna make a move. The Cavs aren't a team that's ready to really win right now. Like, best case scenario, maybe they make it into the playoffs. I don't think they should be so worried about fit. Right? Like, if push comes to shove down the road, you can always make that move. I don't think it's, hey, we got to make this move right now unless they get an offer that blows them away. Sexton was really, really good for stretches last season. I don't know. Let's suspend disbelief here. Let's say they actually do put him on the market. They get a guard and they decide we got to get one of these guys out of here in order to clear space. And they decide to put Colin Sexton on the trade market. I would be very surprised if the Lakers offer for him was enough, like something around Kuzma. And again, salaries wouldn't really work there, but something around Kuzma and the 22nd pick, that's not getting Colin Sexton. I can't imagine that being enough. If it was, then yeah, take that and run. But I, I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be really interesting. There is, you got Isaac Coro and you've got Darius Garland, and it sounds like they're already thinking with Sexton coming up with restricted free agency. One thing that's very interesting also is the Kuzma and Nance reunion in the front court. Also, you got to look at, you know, I'm, I'm at USC. I'm a, I was a USC sports anchor this semester covering Evan Mobley. Uh, first big man to win conference player of the year, defensive player of the year, and freshman of the year in their conference in college since Lakers superstar Anthony Davis in 2011. Uh, this guy is a spectacular big man. And as far as the Houston Rockets fit go at the number two pick, they already have Christian Wood. So there is talk of Mobley sliding to the Cavaliers at number three. Yeah. And if they get him and go into win-now mode, I think that's where the potential can really come in that they want a Coro and they want Garland, who is phenomenal. Although, personally, I think Colin Sexton has the most potential yeah, of those guys. Com definitely. Complete laps on the defensive end right now. Uh, Lakers could fix that up. But offensively... Oh my goodness, 24.3 points a game. And who could forget that 42-point masterpiece for someone that young? Yeah. Double overtime against the Brooklyn Nets. So I think if there is a way to give up Kuzma and some draft picks, I'm sorry, Kyle Kuzma, I love you. I've defended <laughs> you all the way, but uh, I think you might not be sticking around this time here. Uh, we'll always respect the Lakers tenure he had. He's a champion, great rookie season. But if, if he's going to go... I think that's the move you want to try to make if you can make it, if you're the Lakers. And depending on that Mobley scenario, I think there could be a fit. Oh, if if that deal was out there, I would drive Kyle Kuzma. And I like Kyle Kuzma. I would drive him to the airport. Me too. I would take him Me to too. the airport. If he was a little nervous about flying, I would sit next to him on the flight, right? Like I would be there for him all the way just to make sure he got there because that would be a ridiculously good deal for the Lakers if they could get that down. I, I would I would travel to Cleveland. I would risk going to Cleveland in order to get Colin Sexton to the Lakers. But again, I just I don't see that actually happening. Um, somebody asking on here, is it worth it to pay Andre Drummond given the Lakers cap situation? That's a very interesting question that the short answer is no. Short answer is no. And it's not necessarily Andre Drummond. It's and any traditional center, any center who doesn't shoot threes 
and doesn't and isn't like the the best you know top 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 tier rim protector is it worth paying those guys no i have used this analogy a lot lately but it's like the running back position in football you don't want to be the guy or the team to give that guy a big contract because there's other options out there and really for the lakers they're probably going to be at their best even if you gave a, a big contract to andre drummond with anthony davis at the five right when it's crunch time in the playoffs they're probably going to be at their best with Anthony Davis in there at the five. So do you want to commit those resources towards Drummond? Now, that said, you're better off allocating whatever you would have to pay for Drummond to go get a wing or a guard. However, I think we have to note that wings and guards tend to cost a lot more right now than centers do. So it's possible that whatever money you were going to spend on Drummond is not enough to get a wing or a guard who really makes any kind of a difference. And if that's the case then maybe you can turn your your attention back to the center position. But in general, in terms of just roster building, you don't want to spend all of your money on a traditional center. You can go find those guys who are at least serviceable for the veteran minimum and put your money for the more the positions where you're going to really need more help, and that's on the wing and at the guard positions. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, Drummond is a great player, two-time all-star, but no, you're not giving him a max contract at this point or anything like that. And, and I hate to say, I think if he's looking for a max contract, he'll be sorely disappointed. Uh, if I'm Drummond, I want to, yeah, if I'm Drummond, I want to come running back with the Lakers. And, you know, I, I understand him balking at the vets minimum, asking if the fan was drunk, but re- re- it's not a great look. Uh, you know, it, it's funny. I remember when Carmelo Anthony said, hey, they're telling me to come off the bench and everyone was laughing at that. I, I would argue this is less inconceivable than that. Melo's actually, you know, proving his role. And for Drummond, you know, I definitely thought he was the kind of guy at this point where if you really want to win a championship, you might need to take the bet minimum or, or at least not balk at it like that. At least be willing to accept, hey, because when you balk at it like that, it gives the impression you're expecting a max contract. Yeah, Like Carmelo Anthony arguably could start, and he has started some games since. But but for Drummond, I, I don't think he's a max contract player. And that's not because of age. Might not even be because of skill set. It's because of the way the NBA is right now. And his play style is that of a dinosaur in the NBA. That doesn't mean he can't contribute extremely well. Doesn't mean he can't be a great part of a championship team. But, you know, he's he's not getting the Steph Curry $200 million contract at this point. So I wouldn't be balking at the idea of a minimum contract. I would sort of, you know, take what you think is reasonable, work it out with your agent. But, uh, you know, humbling himself at this point, I think, will lead to the kind of success he's looking for more so. He's just not in a situation where what he brings is in super high demand around the league. Now, exactly. I, I will say this, though. One of the things that I'm really excited about in these playoffs is DeAndre Ayton. And it's not it's not like DeAndre Ayton individually is what I'm excited about. It's more what he represents. And, and I am excited about Ayton individually. He's been tremendous. Okay, But what he represents to me is proof that if you do it right, you don't have to go small. That's been... The thing going around the NBA, right, is that small ball kills right now, right? You have to be able to shoot threes. You have to be able to space the floor. And the way the NBA is set up, teams just can't punish you enough on the inside to make up for whatever you would give up on the perimeter by having a true center off on the floor. So many times, true centers are getting played off the floor. Andre Drummond is not efficient enough at the rim to punish teams, at least in most cases, for going small. Now, he can be good on the boards, and there are some games where he can do that a little bit. But it's not like you can throw... If you put a small on him, it's not like you can throw the ball to Andre Drummond and he's going to score every time, right? He's going to fumble the ball. There's going to be turnovers. Things like that are going to happen. DeAndre Ayton has the ability to score on you 70-plus percent of the time to where it is a winning proposition if the other team puts a small on him that you throw him the ball. You saw what the Clippers did in the first round against the Mavs. Right When Porzingis was out there, they would put a small on him because they weren't worried about him in the post. Gobert, same thing. They could switch a small onto him. They weren't worried about him on the offensive end. DeAndre Ayton is proof that if you score efficiently enough, you can still punish teams for their choices and go big with a more traditional center. And I think that's great just because I think one of the things that the NBA has been lacking recently 
has been some sort of differentiation in their offenses. We're seeing so many offenses run the same thing. Space the floor, high pick and roll, swing, 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 shoot the three. Go down to the other end. Same thing. High pick and roll, swing, 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 shoot the three, right? I like having some variety in offenses, and so I like that DeAndre Ayton, to me, represents the chance to do that, to actually play that traditional rim-protecting big again. And so I think that's that's exciting. I'm sorry that's my tangent, but we just got done watching that game. No, no, I, th- I think it's a really great point you make there, Trevor. I mean, also, we see Devin Booker and even Chris Paul majorly incorporating the mid-range. The funniest thing, too, is that the 2020 Los Angeles Lakers were really a team that proved you don't need to go small. Yeah. With Anthony Davis, with LeBron James, those are those are big dudes in the lineup. You know, it's not uh, the Warriors' death lineup with tallest guy being like six foot seven, Draymond Green or whatever. You know, it was uh, it was ridiculous. And so I think that the Phoenix Suns really are actually showing the potential for that variety. The thing about Aiton is he still has some speed mm-hmm. and he still has some athleticism. And there is room for big men like that. Aiden can even hit some mid-range, some nice floaters. But but Drummond really is less – like he does not necessarily have that touch. And he's not going to be the guy who runs the floor. And so there is that potential with Drummond. But we're seeing, you know, we're seeing a whole other level from yeah. someone like DeAndre Ayton right now. And I do agree with you, though, that it, that it does show that variety. And Kobe always said the mid-range will come back. You watch the game moves in circles. And that could be what we're seeing. It's not going to be three ball pace and space forever. It's just going to be a new era of big man. And I'm not 100% sure Drummond fixed into that, particularly in a max contract kind of scenario. Yeah, agreed. And look... The analytics stuff, it's all about just efficient offense. And NBA defenses right now are set up to give up the mid-range. So if you become really, really good at the mid-range, like say, go back in time, go to another master player, uh, Rip Hamilton, you become that efficient at the mid-range shot, which defenses are giving you all day, then that's a winning possession for you. People always go to points per possession, and in general, you do better shooting threes or shooting layups. But if you can score at a very high rate in the mid-range, that can be an efficient play as well. Teams are just right now are pretty much coached that that's a bad shot. It's not a bad shot if you are making down a high percentage or knocking down a high percentage of them. So I think that's going to be something to watch moving forward. Do guys get just so good at the mid range that that suddenly becomes back in style? We'll have to see how that goes. Uh, a few people asking about me about Chris, the masterpiece masters. Chris just moved and he's getting resettled back in, in Los Angeles. And so uh, he's going to be back on. Don't worry. And we've been, we've been chatting a little bit. But he's just kind of getting settled in right now. But, Chris, he is dying to get back on and talk Lakers basketball. So, don't worry. Chris will be back. Definitely loved watching uh, the Master Lock Challenge as a kid on WWE with Chris Masters, uh, former WWE superstar. So, cannot wait to get on here with him one time. Yeah, he's uh, he is a blast. Gotta love Chris the Masterpiece Masters. Um. <laughs> We've got more people asking about Carmelo Anthony. Would he, could he finally join the Lakers? Maybe. I mean, that's something that could happen in theory, but I don't think he'd be the top of the list, right? Like, given what the Lakers need, he's not at the top of the list of guys you want to go after. If Carmelo Anthony says, hey, I'll come on a vet minimum. If you need points off the bench, I'll do that for you. I, I don't even have to start. Okay, right? Like, like that's not going to hurt you. I wouldn't, wouldn't have a problem with that. Anything more than that, though, and then I think you're you're better off looking elsewhere. Yeah, I would I would love to see Melo on the roster, and particularly if you can get Terry Stotts as the assistant coach, who really was able to unlock some of Melo's offense and even some defensive plays, even some defensive plays, and then you have Frank Vogel working with Melo on the defensive end and Melo doesn't have to be a top scoring option have Melo come off the bench give him some minutes so he's happy I think with LeBron James too I think Melo could be a valuable piece for the Lakers not extremely valuable but I see a decent fit there you can't say oh Carmelo Anthony was our big offseason acquisition at this point but I really do think if you get a couple other shooters fill some other holes Carmelo Anthony could carve out a nice role on the Lakers especially if they're able to get Terry Stotts as their assistant coach yeah absolutely 
Absolutely. All right. Uh, I've got Ryan Schichter from uh, YouTube said, what are your thoughts on getting Danny Green back? Well, so we had a situation with Danny Green where right now Doc Rivers has always already said Danny Green's coming back. Uh, he told Danny Green, you're not going anywhere. So I don't know what he would cost to get him on the free agent market. But I do think it's just funny that we've kind of come full circle where now fans are asking about bringing back Danny Green when <laughs> couldn't wait to get him out of town last season when he was with yeah. the Lakers. Definitely be careful what you wish for on that one. <laughs> All right. Um, let's do one more. One more here. And it says, uh, Jahir from YouTube with a super chat said, look, let's trade for De- uh, De'Aaron Fox via sign and trade with Dennis. He is the future. Magic had it right. Look at his age. Uh, De'Aaron Fox. Oh, somebody said, I thought Trevor's lights in the background flickered. They did. They did. I've got construction going on at my house right now as we're building out my new studio. And something is going on because we're just getting power to the new studio. Something's going on with my electrical. That or some sort of a haunting is taking over here. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, right? That was cool time. It's getting a little bit creepy. But whatever. We'll make it, we'll make it through this. Um, anyway, De'Aaron Fox. You're not going to get him for Dennis Schroeder. It's just you're not getting him. Yeah. It's... Schroeder doesn't have that kind of value. The Kings aren't going to trade their guy, and they're especially not going to trade him to the Lakers. So, like, I like him a lot as a player. It would be great, but there's some guys that are just going to be out of reach for the Lakers. Now, unfortunately, I think that's a category that De'Aaron Fox falls into. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be great to have uh, De'Aaron Fox for sure. But, yeah, he's he's really moving towards that upper echelon, young, up-and-coming star, and so I, I don't think the Kings would ever take just Schroeder for the Aaron Fox at this point when he's quite possibly the future of the franchise. Yeah, I mean, he really is. That's the way that they've built their team is pretty much around him. But it's right. fun to dream of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely it is. Oh, no, somebody, Brene Vandervelden from YouTube said, Trevor, you should start your own ghost hunting show. I'm not going to go ghost hunting. I'll go ghost hiding. I'm going to hide from the ghosts and get out of here. Are you kidding me? Not a ghost hunter. No way. All right, man. Let's uh let's call it there before anything crazy happens here with my with my power situation right now. But uh appreciate everybody for joining us and uh thank you, Skyler, for coming on and talking a little Lakers basketball. Again, we go every Monday nice. and Thursday night, nine o'clock Pacific time. Now I will be traveling this next Monday, so I'm hopeful that I'll still have enough bandwidth to do a show. Worst case, may have to go audio only. We'll see. It depends on where I'm at, if they've got enough of uh, enough bandwidth for me to run it. But just, just a heads up, Monday could look a little bit different. We'll definitely have a different background because I won't be here, but might be a little different in terms of whether or not we have video for that show. So just so you guys know, heads up for next Monday's show. But again, thank you guys for, for joining us. And uh, Skyler, awesome talking Lakers basketball with you as always. Always. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Much appreciated. All right, guys. Till next time, stay safe and see you.